A couple of years ago, uh, we had missionaries speaking here at Freedom's two weeks in a row, and after those two missionaries spoke, a woman who's been involved, very involved here at Freedom's for a number of years, she came up to me and said, you know, I really enjoyed being able to hear from these missionaries. And it really struck me for the first time, it probably should have hit me a long time ago, but it really struck me after hearing these missionaries about how the money that I give to Freedom's really makes a difference in their ministries around the world. And, and this really encouraged me because that's the truth, that, that money that people do give through Freedom's really does make an impact in people's ministries all throughout the world. Uh, 12% of all the finances that come into Freedom's go directly to missions work. Uh, that means translated that, uh, that we give about $30,000 per year just from, from the money that comes into Freedom's through the offerings and such. We give about $30,000 a year to missions work in this country and around the world. And that goes to support a dozen missionaries whom we support on an ongoing basis. And it also helps support uh, various uh, special requests that come our way as well. Uh, for instance, things like Travis uh, Sternhagen and Corey Landon going on summer missions trips this year or others, other requests that come uh, our way as well. And so the money that you give really does make a difference worldwide. And you may be wondering, okay, I look at our own community and I see we have so many needs right here in our communities. Why are we sending money elsewhere? Why are we supporting missionaries elsewhere when we have so many needs here? It is true that we have a lot of needs right here in our midst. Uh, We have people who need Christ. We have people who have physical, relational, other types of needs. There are certainly needs here. And, And we don't want to downplay that. We're seeking to meet those needs as well. But we also need to remember what Jesus said in some of his very last words, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So some of Jesus' very last words to his disciples were, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I believe that each one of us is called to make disciples. We are called to reach people with the gospel. We are all essentially missionaries uh, to various contexts. Some of us are missionaries to schools, some to workplaces, some to neighborhoods, some to sports teams, some to friend groups, any variety of different places. We're all missionaries, and God calls, calls some people to be missionaries to other parts of the world. Maybe to literally other countries, or sometimes uh, more locally, but to demographics of people whom we naturally, in our normal sphere of influence, don't reach as often. And that's an example of who we have with us today. I'd like to invite Chip Martinson to come on up. Chip is a missionary with Crew, which is also known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, Freedom's Church has been supporting Chip for a lot longer than I'm aware of. Um, one of the cool things about Chip, in my mind, uh, besides he's just kind of a cool guy anyway, um, but I've known Chip, I've known Chip for a lot longer than I've been at Freedens. I've been at Freedens five years. Um, the other missionaries whom Freedens was already supporting, I didn't have any idea who they were. I've gotten to know them. They're also cool people. Uh, but I knew Chip um, for several years before that because I was on staff with Crew as well for a number of years and knew Chip through mutual friends and also through various conferences and such. And Chip has served at a couple different campuses here in uh, Wisconsin. He then served in Iowa and then in Brazil and then in Miami, and now he's back to more of his home area, mm-hmm. uh, serving on a number of campuses in the Milwaukee area. 
And uh, Chip has become a regular here at Freedens, at least an annual regular uh, mm-hmm. of being here with us on a roughly annual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and in just a minute, I'm going to turn the mic over to Chip, uh, just having him share what God has been doing uh, in his life and through their ministry. Uh, but before I do that, I'd just like to ask Chip, how can we be praying for you as a church family? Uh, great point. I would love for you guys just to pray that uh, I walk with God. I walk with God and I lead Lisa and my two daughters well. Uh, I would say that would be the, the key one. Certainly pray for us financially. Yes, that's the, it's usually the elephant in the room. Not a real elephant because that would be uncomfortable. But it, the elephant in the room when a missionary is here where it's like, yeah, we have fiscal needs. And as we think through kind of moving towards the fall and finishing our summer assignment, yeah, we, we realistically need to raise probably $500 a month and probably $1,000 short-term, um, just kind of a one-time gift. So, yeah, pray for me to walk with God and care for my family well um, and for the financial needs. Those would be big. Okay. Let's take a minute to pray for Chip and his family, and then we'll turn it over to him. Father, we thank you for Chip, for your redemption in his life uh, many years ago and how you continue to, to use Chip, work through Chip, to bring redemption in others' lives as well. Hmm. Father, we lift Chip up um, that he will be growing in his love for you. We know that that is first and foremost before any ministry, before any other responsibilities, Lord. It's the responsibility and the joy of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And so we pray that you will refresh him, encourage him, draw him ever closer to you, Lord, as he walks with you. And I pray that you will use him as a just a healthy influence, healthy shepherd and leader and father and husband in his family, Lord, that, that Lisa um, and his daughters will be growing closer to you as well, and that Chip uh, will be a great model of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And we pray uh, for his financial needs as well. We all have various financial needs, and Chips are kind of unique in that he receives them from a handful, a, a wide variety of individuals and churches and others who, who support him. And we pray that you will provide for every one of his financial needs, um, lead, raise up the people, uh, the churches, uh, to come alongside of him to support them in that and help, help all of his ministry partners, including those of us here at Freedens, to know that, that through CHIP, we are able to have an impact even on people who we will never meet on this earth, but still it's an eternal impact. And we pray for your guidance in CHIP as he continues to follow you um, in ministry, uh, that you will give him fruitfulness, Lord, and work through him to continue to draw people to Jesus and the life that he offers. So we lift CHIP and, and his family up to you in Jesus' name. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. It's great being back. Uh, you can put the picture up if you want to, Henry. Oopsie. And it, for me, it's really sweet to see Mark and, uh, Mark and Suval here. If you haven't seen them, they are here, which is really fun because, uh, I mean, 18 years ago when I started doing this job, I was skinnier, didn't have a wife or kids, uh, and I was just a nervous punk who had just left a corporate sales career. If you're new to Freedens, you wouldn't know that story, but, um, and so I was... Somebody had mentioned to contact Frieden, so I met with Mark, and Mark was, became a dear friend. Frieden's has always been special to me. I was scheduled to be here the, the morning of the tornado. I, I, I feel like I just know, I know you guys, and I know the facility very well, and so you're really special. So for me to see uh, the Vols was just really fun because there's a lot of ton of uh, love and respect that I have for those guys. So the summer, I did meet God in some, some kind of unique ways, and if you're new to Frieden's, you wouldn't know me, us. Uh, I have Lisa's my wife, 
Uh, there's two daughters that came from, uh, we say her stomach, which is Lizzie, who's eight, and Emma, who's four. And then our third daughter is Jessica. She's non-biological, but she um, went to college at the University of Miami, go Canes. Every campus I've been on, they, if I don't represent it, people get a little like, hey, don't you care about our campus? And so Jessica, uh, her parents died in a murder-suicide when she was two. Uh, her father killed her mother and then killed himself, and her four-year-old sister at the time found the, the bodies. Uh, and she, they had to go next door to find help. And so then she was raised by her aunt and uncle, and she was told that they were her parents until her mom died before she came to college and that realized it was her aunt, not her mom. And so when she came to Christ, uh, right before she entered college at the University of Miami, she was certainly a sweet, fragile girl. And for whatever reason, God just chose to, uh, us as kind of her really like parents. And so this is their wet, her wedding picture. She married Tyler a year ago. Um, and so she's really a part of our family. She, it's a beautiful story. She's just now finishing. Uh, she worked for Crew or Campus Crusade for a year at the University of Miami, Go Canes. And she is just finishing that up. And then she went on the, the Miami Summer Project, where in the city of Miami, 140 languages are spoken in their native tongues. So kind of mind-bending. Um, so she's just finishing up her internship. And so they'll, uh, Tyler's in the Air Force, and they will move, I think, to Dayton, Ohio sometime soon. And I think they're coming to stay with us. Lisa knows that. I'm, I'm not that smart. So uh, it's been 18 years that I've been working with college students and, and loving Jesus and them. And I've learned, uh, among the other things that really God has shown me since we moved back up north from Miami a couple of years ago, is how much I, I really enjoy and I'm very comfortable being, being in a minority setting, uh, ethnic minority settings. It can be in the U.S., inner city, overseas. I really love that. That's really fun for me. Um, and it's not intimidating. It doesn't, it doesn't scare me because I love to learn languages and cultures. I speak Spanish and Portuguese, and those have helped me a lot. And also, if, while we're playing get-to-know-you games, if you don't know me, uh, I'm not a theologian, but I am a culture learner. I love knowing the culture. Even the culture of Port. Port Washington has its own unique culture. And so apparently with Fish Day, you get really drunk. I saw that this morning. I saw this woman who was probably, I don't know, 20 years older than me just falling on her face, and I thought, wow. So I, Brandon is right when he says there's the reality of needs here, that people chase and run to things that aren't satisfying them, even, even in our midst, even in our neighborhoods, not just on campus. Uh, I also learned that I'm a, I'm a planter, and I serve a God who's a gardener. We live in Wauwatosa, and we have a small yard, and so I will scatter out seed to try and grow grass and actually had a sweet yard going this summer for the first time since we moved up. And then somebody, uh, one of the neighbors had given me this crabgrass killer, kind of some kind of chemical thing. So great. All right. So I spread that stuff all over the place. I spread it around. And then the next day it rains and my kids are outside playing and I'm like, why does it smell like dog? Why does it reek? And I had gotten a bad batch of this nasty stuff. And then, boom, my lawn turns brown in these little patches. It's like, oh, where did I put it? I put it right there. I put it right here, right here, right here. And it was just such a bummer for me. But it caused me to think and even reflect. It's like, well, I, as a person, uh, I, I'm just a guy. <laughs> and college students have been really my, my ministry and my life for the past 18 years. But it's because I serve a God who's a gardener. <laughs> and God, God is a God who grows stuff. And what he grows is people. And he makes us more like himself. He's, he's fiercely jealous for us to grow and learn more about him. 
So this summer, what we had, uh, again, the chance to do was to lead a, one of the crew summer mission trips, or we call them summer projects in the inner city. We stayed at, uh, it's called City on a Hill. It's on the corner of 23rd and Kilbourne. It's a big, old Lutheran hospital. It's about a block and a half from where our good friend Jeffrey Dahmer used to live. So that's always fun when you tell them history. And when I think about the setting of that, the vast majority of the students, we had 17 students with us this summer, and when they show up, they're oftentimes coming from a very uh, white context where they've never been in the inner city, and they just assume, everyone you see, that's a drug deal, I'm about to get shot. (laughs) And so it's really fun for me to see, like, nah, they're just hanging out on their front step. It's just part of it. So we lived at at City on a Hill, and we lived with the students uh, in these dormitories, and we did evangelism because that's what you do a lot of. That means we engage people in spiritual conversations. And so we went to what's called Summerfest, if you're not familiar with it. It's a very large music festival on the lake, and you're familiar with it. But who you're probably not familiar with, unless you're like, I don't know, 15 to 19, is uh, Phanagram, Five Finger Death Punch, and there were some fun bands that we got to see. I didn't really see them. I'm kind of a band idiot because I have two daughters, and I... I could sing you all kinds of La La Loopsie songs, but I cannot tell you who Phanagram was. So we, we, we uh, went to Summerfest for two different days, and we snuck with staff. There were like 30 of us in there for free on the free days. And what do, uh, I'd say, 15 to 25-year-olds do when they go to Summerfest? They just stand around. They get in early, they pay early, and they just hang out. And we thought, what a sweet place to have spiritual conversations. And so we did. Uh, we ended up having 600 spiritual conversations over a two-day span, which is significant for us. But in the grand scheme of things, when the Friday night we were there, I think there were 150,000 people. And Saturday, we were there the whole stinking day. And there was like 250,000 people that were at Summerfest. To me, that's 450,000 people that we could have had spiritual conversations with. And we had 600, and that's not even a drop in the bucket. When I think about the need for this, that's why I'm grateful that we serve a God who's a gardener. <laughs> and our job, my job, is to do not what I did with the, with the crabgrass stopper, but to do what I did with the seed, just to throw seed out and say, where is God going to grow stuff? And we met a student named Joe who uh, was in college at Illinois State University. And he had been there to see, who's the country guy, Luke Bryan? Sure, I'll say Luke Bryan. Uh, he was there to see that guy. And he had had his girlfriend with him. And part of the beauty was he had no idea, hey, let's go to this concert and maybe I'll come to know Jesus in a personal way. But when Luke showed, when he came up to see this concert, that's exactly what happened. He sat down, I'd say, at the right place at the right time because we were right there to connect with him. And so we talked to Joe and his girlfriend for about an hour and a half about who Jesus was, and he had never heard of him. He had no idea. He might as well have been 10,000 miles away He had been to a church once, and it was for a funeral when he was 11. And this is just your standard, classic Chicago suburban kid. And so I'm just mindful. In 18 years that I've been doing this gig, I'm mindful of the need, whether it's inner city, college students, or adults, or your own peers in our neighborhoods. People are chasing stuff. We're looking for something, and and we gratefully can serve a God who's a gardener. And we can be the seed scatterers and just see, what does God do? And what does he do, and how does he do it? And we see this in, uh, specifically, 1 Corinthians 3. Um, Paul writes, When one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They're simply servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. 
I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive their wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And so when I think this through as it plays out for my life for the past 18 years, it's really been college students. It's been college students and, and also with these summer missions trips, it's people that live in the inner city. People like Dave. Dave goes to Eau Claire. Uh, so let's hit the fast backward button. Uh, I worked at the University of Iowa for seven years where I went to college and worked with crew there. Um, and there's a student named Ben Newton who recommitted his life to Jesus with me his freshman year. And it was a beautiful thing to watch and see and to be a part of his life and walk, with, walk through him, with him as he learned how to stay sober on weekends, as he learned to cut off ties with dead-end girlfriends from his past. And as he continued to walk on this journey with God, because God is a gardener, he grows stuff, Ben started to like this other girl involved in crew, and they end up dating and getting married, yay. And then they ended up coming on staff with crew, which is really fun. So they were here for a few years, and then they here in Milwaukee here, and then they recently moved uh, to Eau Claire, where there's a guy named Dave Soonan. And Dave is uh, the softest-hearted, quietest college kid you'll ever meet. You need to shoot a gun next to his head to get him to talk. So when, I don't know, I guess a month and some change ago, we go to the, this park at the corner of like 22nd and Keefe to do the captive project outreach. Dave is a sweet-hearted kid who was on our project from New Richmond, Wisconsin. And here's who Dave met. Uh, in a matter of uh, three or four hours, Dave met um, a guy that we were having a spiritual conversation with who took his leg off. Sure. So we're just talking to this African-American dude, and he's telling us about his difficulties, and he's like, like my knee here. And it was like, oh, okay, awesome. Uh, Dave met a felon. Um, Dave met somebody who had been strung out on heroin that week, and Dave met people who have not had a job all of their adult life. And I was like, check, 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 Dave. <laughs> these, these are, this, is, this world that you've, been, you've exposed yourself to is as different as the one you've come from as you could ever imagine. Dave, is a, uh, he's studying law enforcement at Eau Claire. And for him, it was a beautiful thing just to see what God did, just to increase his heart uh, for the inner city, and not just for the inner city, but for people. Because the more that I'm, I'm in the inner city environment, uh, I'm not... It takes a lot to freak me out to be in the inner city, and I realize that for many of us, if we grow up where we're not the ethnic minority or we don't understand that, that it can feel like, duh, if I'm even driving to a Brewers game, you can get a little nervous, or don't stop here, or I'm nervous about this stoplight. I, I'm rarely nervous by that stuff, not because I'm better than you, because I've been exposed to this a lot of different contexts. And so it takes a lot for me to get nervous. I was nervous at the park on 22nd and Keefe because it was uh, this park where we met and we did this large outreach. Uh, a couple shootings had happened, I don't know, the month before. How do you know this? Because there's pictures of the kids who had died uh, posted up on the trees. And it was a crazy thing for me just to see. Because for, really for me, I, I want to see what God will do with that, with my heart for the inner city. Because if you didn't know, the city of Milwaukee was voted the worst place to be an African-American man ages 18 to 49. There really are so few jobs. It's an awful, awful reality. And it's easy for me as just a white, educated guy to say, you know what they need. But I think what's really been cool for me is as I serve a God who's a gardener, I roll up my sleeves and 
get into people's lives and hear their situations. And that causes me to, to have less solutions and more of a place of like, God, we need somebody to plant, we need somebody to water for this city to look different, for people to care about this city. Anyway, when I came here three years ago, uh, I, which is very common for me being on staff with crew, I had a parent come to me like, you know, you should find my son, daughter, They're, they want to get involved in Christian stuff on campus, which is beautiful, I love to do that. But when uh, I met Travis three years ago, uh, there was a certain sense that I, I as a slick I can be rather slick, and I can fake things well. And I felt like, hmm, Pod, this is Kettle, you're black. So when I met Travis, it was like, yeah, sure, I'll give the kid a call, and who knows what God will do. Again, I'm not exceptional. I serve a God who's a gardener. I throw a little water, seed here, I throw a little water there, and we just see what God does. And that's what we did. Uh, that's what I did in Travis's life. And it was a beautiful thing to see Jesus really change his life uh, and really capture his heart. And you know as well as I do, many of you, if you're part of Freedance, that this summer he spent in East Asia, and I wanted to welcome him up so we can ask some questions. Give it up for Travis Sternhagen. Hi. Is your mic good? Yes. Awesome. Um, What is your name? Just kidding. (laughs) What was it like in that large Asian country... Um, well, it was uh, um, such a weird, broad question. I know. Um, uh, yeah, it was very different. That's like a good way to start, I guess. Uh, from from uh, just like landing in the airport, I could already feel like the difference, especially that I couldn't read anything. The food on the plane was even already unlike anything I've been, like have eaten in my life. Uh, I couldn't understand anybody. Uh, so kind of landing, I was already kind of like, okay, here we go, like, let's do this. <laughs> We're fish out of water. That's, that's like the, that's how I felt, really. How were the people? Oh, the people, the people were wonderful. Uh, um, the East Asian people are <laughs> probably the most hospitable people that I've ever come into contact with, uh, like, to the point where you will meet them, and right as you're meeting them, they're already trying to, like, invite you into their home, or feed you, or buy you a water, or an ice cream, or something. Uh, so, kindness, the kindness level there is way, way up, especially kind of coming from a city like Milwaukee, where I feel like some people often choose rudeness over kindness, yeah. and then going there where you don't even run into a single rude person. Um, but they also uh, are all about saving face. So a lot of that sometimes is uh, kind of an act to them. Like they have mm-hmm. to be hospitable. They have to be kind uh, for themselves to be viewed as uh, kind and nice or even mm-hmm. for their families. So uh, sometimes deeper in, it's a little different. Uh, how did people respond to the gospel? Um, amazingly, I guess, is a good way. At first, it's usually because a lot of them have never heard of any of that before so to you can say it here that no one's ever heard of jesus they're like yeah <laughs> yeah right. no one's heard of jesus yep <laughs> awesome um <clears throat> so yeah so like um they it would always be is actually uh, always really adorable because you would share the gospel and they would always say oh that is such a beautiful story i've never heard that before and then and that was always really fun just to hear it referred to as a beautiful story um, and then that's when you could really see kind of the gears start rolling because mm-hmm. um, in East Asia, they 
um, believe they are not allowed to believe in a God. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally that is where it starts, is they always say, oh, no, 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 I cannot believe in a God that is uh, in this nation. Um, mm-hmm. We do not believe in a God. So when you really start, though, to pry deeper and ask them, no, personally, like, do you want to believe in a God? What do you think about this? You'll often hear responses of, yes, I would like to believe in a God. Um, so they respond really well hmm. there in East Asia. Love it. I've, I've actually heard, we have heard that one in three people uh, who have a chance to hear about Jesus say yes to wanting to follow him or start a relationship with him. Uh, give us a couple of your favorite stories with friends. Because, again, uh, when you meet people in large Asian countries, um, they oftentimes will pick American names based on things that they like. Call me Kobe or call me LeBron or whatever. So sometimes you get to name people. Yeah. So who are some of your favorite friends from the summer? Yeah. Um, I ended up making three uh, friends with these guys that we grew really, really close over the time. Uh, their English names were Eric, uh, Chuck, and David. Um, and they, yeah, some pretty average names. But... Uh, they, uh, I ended up just meeting Eric randomly out on campus, just kind of bumping into him, asking how to order food or something. Uh, and he entered up and like ended up introducing me to those two guys. Ended up finding out that they actually own a candy shop on campus, so that was really sweet. Got a lot of free candy from those guys. Um, but there was one night that uh, we had been hanging out for quite a bit, and one night they actually took me out on a paddle boat onto this uh, man-made lake that is in the city. And as we're out on this paddle boat. Um, they started talking about their girl, like girlfriends and like relationships, which is a very, very popular topic there. Um, and they are kind of talking about this, going back and forth, kind of poking fun at one another about their, their past with girlfriends. Um, but then that was a, a really good opportunity to start kind of uh, talking about spiritual stuff. And one of the most interesting things is I wasn't even the, the one to bring up spiritual things at first. One of my buddies knew that uh, I was a Christian, so he started bringing up and asking me uh, if I had a girlfriend and, like, what marriage looked like, especially since I believed in, in a God. Um, and all four of us got to have a really awesome conversation about God and Jesus. And one of the coolest things was one of them actually ended up finding out was already a Christian. He already mm-hmm. uh, believed in Jesus, had accepted him into his life. One wanted to believe in God, but had no idea how, none of that, and one didn't want anything to do with it. So I kind of had this spectrum of, like, these people, like, sitting in this boat with me, and it was one of the most, like, beautiful memories for me personally, uh, especially since I love those guys a lot. I actually still keep in touch with them, um, and it's exciting to hear kind of uh, how God is working in their life, and you can really see it when they're talking. Huh. Can uh, I share another story? Yeah, quick? Cool. Uh, so this story is actually, because uh, all of the American students got to have, um, we all had one uh, dorm room to two people. So my roommate, uh, his name was Jordan. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, he ended up coming back one day, and he was really, really excited because one of his friends uh, ended up asking Jesus into his life that day. So it was really, really exciting, and we uh, got to like praise God for that. And he comes to me the next day saying the same friend ended up bringing his friends to meet with Jordan, and all those friends ended up accepting Christ as well. So when I think of, like, uh, really that, mm-hmm. that image of just, like, gardeners and planting mm-hmm. seeds is there's 1.34 billion people in this big nation in Asia, and, uh, which is really, really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure, like, the, actually, you kind of shared these numbers quick, sure. too. I brought up my notebook from East Asia, and this is the, this, we called it the seed count. So it's mm. uh, just spiritual conversations, gospel conversations, and then people who ask Jesus in their life. 
We ended up having 548 spiritual conversations and then getting to share the gospel 260 times. And then out of those 260 times, 35 of those students asked Jesus into their life. So that's like a huge, huge, mm-hmm. huge number. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, give us some wacky things. You're a wacky culture. I ate duck. I ate the brain of a duck or something. <laughs> I did both of those, actually. Yay! <laughs> duck brain. Yeah. Um, I think I've almost, I have almost every single organ of an animal crossed off of the, the list now. So they just kind of, and like the way you eat it is actually one of the most interesting things. Is mm-hmm. They're big into barbecues. So um, they just stab anything on a stick, roast it yeah. up. And we ended up uh, taking a trip to the mountain. Um, and a family, like a, a part of like a, just a rural family, ended up cooking for us. And they cooked us a, a lamb, and it was the entire lamb. So we got to like eat the heart on a on a stick, Aww. and like the kidney, and all that stuff. You know, the liver, mm, and the eyes. That's so fun. <laughs> uh, last question: How do you feel like it translates for you now that you're back, back in the U.S., ready for the fall? What's your experience this summer? How's it going to translate for you this fall? Oh. Um, like the biggest thing that impacted me was uh, just um, how much the Chinese people are the East Asian wow. people. Oh no! <laughs> the lockdown now. Stop tape. <laughs> um, how much the East Asian people want to know about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, and Romans uh, ten, fourteen, and fifteen uh, really like struck like deep to me because it's like saying like uh, actually can I read it? It's on the Go. Phone. Cool. I don't know why I'm asking you if I can do all this stuff. Um, It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Um, And that just, like, was a verse I read a lot over there and even have it on the front of my phone here just uh, Mm -hmm. reminding me, like, uh, to be a goer Mm -hmm. and then also... Uh, to be really thankful for, like, senders and also be a sender because, mm-hmm. uh, like, people in East Asia, uh, they want to know about Jesus, but there's a billion people there, so mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't hearing about Jesus, uh, which is something that really broke my heart. Hmm. Um, so I guess just thinking about that and then also being really grateful for all the people who sent me because they got to enter into that um, that relationship even over in East Asia. Thanks, dude. Love you. Thank you, really do love that kid. It's really sweet just to think what God does in people's lives. And for me, being an old weird guy who's been doing it for 18 years, uh, you don't, sometimes you meet so many students, again, I, you throw some seed down, you throw some water down. God is our gardener. He's the one that we serve, and he grows stuff. And again, I, I, we wish that we could see things differently, and we don't even know what we'll see sometimes. For me, it's this walking with God is just such a strange thing for me. I uh, in 1997 or 8, I forget even which one it was, I was with Crusade Crew in Madison. And I met a student his freshman year as he moved in. And as we moved in, I'm like, oh, he's an African-American student from the city. I'm like, what is that on your shelf? It's a Bible. I'm a Christian looking where to get plugged in. Who are you? And I was like, I'm the outlet. Nice to meet you. So, and that student's name was Brian McKee. Brian graduated pre-Facebook. And so if you'll let me to, a lot, of, a lot of my life is these stories. Again, I wish I were a smarter theologian. I'm not. I just love God and I love people, and that's really it. Um, and so Brian walked with God all four years at Madison. He actually led a ministry just to African-American students. At one point in time, there were 55 African-American students that would meet to study the Word every week, and he was the leader. Brian graduates by, I don't know where he's at. It's pre-Facebook world. 
So fast forward to last fall, a guy named John Daniels contacts me. He's from an African-American church in Milwaukee, and he continues to talk, this new church plant that he's trying to do. It's called New Jerusalem, Old something, Holy Redeemer Church of God in Christ. It's usually a lot of black churches are just a mouthful, and it, all right, whatever. And he keeps talking about my friend Brian and I are doing this. My friend Brian and I are planting this. And I'm like, wait, how old are you? Um, whatever he is, 36. I'm like, where'd you go to college? Michigan, where he was involved with crew there. Who's Brian? Brian McKee. And I was just overwhelmed with emotions. Just think, Jesus, is this kid still walking with you? So I was like, go find him. Get him. Call, call him, text him, whatever you do. Make Brian here. Make him get here. I was just like a kid. And so Brian shows up, and I was just a mess. Just a mess. Because here he is. 10, 15 years later, he's walking with Jesus. He's married to this sweet woman. He's got an engineering job, living his life for the gospel. His wife just had their first kid six months ago. He's part of a church plant. So we partnered with that crazy same Brian and John this summer and went to their church plant. We went to their inner city neighborhood and wandered around, fanned out just to talk about Jesus with neighbors and people there. And I just thought, Jesus, who am I that I'm just this idiot, really, I don't deserve to see this, because all I do is I scatter some seed, I throw a little water here, and we serve a God who makes stuff grow. God is our gardener. Because when I think about how he does this, why does he do it? Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. For we're God's fellow workers. We are God's field, God's building. When I think about that, it's just this reality. It's like the lady that fell on her face that's probably still trying to sober up at that gas station in port. She needs Jesus too. We need to sprinkle, splatter, sprinkle, splatter. How can we sprinkle and splatter, whether it's with college students or people in the inner city? And my context has been college students for the past 18 years. But I just love serving a God who's a gardener. This summer, a girl came from a different crusade movement, and she had been raised in China. It's fair to say here. She was raised in China, and she showed up at our weekly meeting. She had been gone to everything Campus Crusade for the past two years. And she showed up at the weekly meeting we did on the project. It was like, hi, I'm not Christian yet. You are. And it was like, right. I love that. Somebody had sprinkled, somebody had watered, and she understood there's a difference. And it wasn't like kind of your classic American where it's like, well, I'm sort of kind of Christian. She knew there's a decision to make. I haven't, I haven't done that yet. You, you guys all, you guys have all said yes to Jesus. I haven't done that yet. That cut and dry was just beautiful for me to see. She's on a journey, and God is, her, God is the gardener. God is her gardener, and he's our gardener, too. And he wants to grow stuff. And so I think, I, for me, I can learn that I want, might want to take credit from God for some of these works, some of the relationships that I have. And we have a very wide number of relationships. And when I think through what God has done in 18 years, it's just been a privilege to, to walk with him. But the most important thing for me to do, and that's why I said it to Brandon, is that I walk with Jesus myself. I live my life for an audience of one. And I love my daughters really well. And in the process, I scatter some seed and I throw a little water here and I see what God does as a gardener. And that's what we get to do also, whether your context is Sockville as a teacher or poor wash as a laborer, whatever, whatever it looks like. That's what God wants from us. Just experience him and experience him as the gardener. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thanks that you want to reach people. You're just jealous. You're jealous for our hearts. You're jealous for the stuff that we chase after that never satisfies, whether it's inner-city heroin addict or college students addicted to porn, whether it's adults who think they need to have enough retirement. Jesus, we, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry for me and for us. How we, we run to other stuff. Thanks that we can serve you, the gardener. <laughs> you grow stuff and we're the stuff. We're not the grass. We're the stuff that you grow. And we love you, Jesus. Amen.